Chaos and Christ Podcast. Chaos and Christ Podcast. We honor Christ. Lift heavy weights, act like men, and resist tyranny. And now your host, Alexi Felix. Welcome back to Chaos and Christ Podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Felix. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to be talking about something pretty interesting. I am fascinated with the idea of totalitarianism. Not because I want that, but because I believe that's where we're headed. And so for the most part, I'm constantly telling you that's the case. But what I want to dive into is, well, why would people actually embrace this? Why do people actually want this? History has shown us that totalitarianism wasn't just one person against the entire world. They had support. And so we are going to dive into that. And then we're going to dive into just making a connection within the scriptures. Does the scripture have something to, to say about this? Have we seen this before? And were we warned about such tyranny in our lifetime? Well, we'll dive into that. In the meantime, if you're new here, welcome to Chaos in Christ. And if you're returning, please do me a favor, share this with somebody else, subscribe, leave a comment, a review, give me some stars, whatever the case may be. Check the show notes. I want to connect with you. Follow me on my social media accounts. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into this. So let's first by understanding what is the definition of totalitarianism. Okay. It is a centralized control by an autocratic authority. This is from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. That sounds very, mm, okay, centralized control, autocratic authority. If you don't understand the words, it can just go over your head. And, and then I think they typically word it like that. But there's another definition I found that I think is more my kind of language. A form of government in which the ruler is an absolute dictator not restricted by a constitution or laws or opposition. So one man with the power of force that makes decisions about you and your life, what you can and cannot do, say, or even think. And thinking is a thing that totalitarians always try to control. And we'll get into this a little bit more. Well, who are these people? We know these people because before the whole country went woke, for the most part, the public school systems did talk about them, and we still hail them as evil, but we just can't seem to kind of make the comparison with the people of today to these people. People like Hitler. We all know Hitler. We all know what Hitler did. He created mass genocide towards the Jews, but we need to understand that Hitler was a totalitarian and he implemented specific strategies in his nation to garner support. He wasn't completely alone. And I'm not talking about him and his Nazi party allegiance, though it still plays a, a role because these are people nonetheless, but the population in general. Who else do we have? We have Stalin, Mao, which now today we have uh, modern-day communist China, who the dictator today would be Xi Jinping. And then you have Fidel Castro. Now, Fidel Castro, his uh, ideology, from what I've heard to this day, there are people in the island of Cuba that still side 
with them and look to them as heroes. Still do. So the, the ideology is pretty deep when we really think about it. These are the examples of dictators and totalitarians in our history. And many of these, all of them, have, for the most part, committed mass murder. Xi Jinping, which is the current dictator of China today, is no different. We don't get it from the media as much. But there are news sources like the Epic Times that really highlight the destruction that they bring upon to their own citizens and the control that they exact over them through technology and social credit scores. The persecution of the Falun Gong practitioners and the, the persecution and suffering of the Uyghur Muslims. So all of that is evident now. Child labor, slave labor, evident now. Organ harvesting from Falun Gong specifically as well, happening now in China. And it, it's truly a dystopian nightmare in that place. That is totalitarianism. So why do these re leaders rise up? How do they actually just get their power? How is it that people actually support this? Somehow, some way, they got people to vote for them. Well, there are reasons that I'm going to lay out. One of them is charisma. Charisma, we have propaganda, and exploitation of national crisis, just to say the least. Now, national crisis is something that can be very relatable to us today. But we're going to get into that more and more. But these, is, these are how these people come into power. They definitely come in the midst of chaos. And we'll get into that. We have psychological societal reasons for allegiance. Humans do this all the time. Human need for stability and order, especially during chaotic times, is crucial. And it's what kicks in on a hyperdrive for our survival. What happens is anxiety and fear set in. Makes one search for relief wherever they can find it. When the fear and anxiety is so overwhelming you can't seem to escape it, you'll, you'll find any relief. Someone surely has to have put an end to this thing. Someone has to have the answers because I don't have the answers to this. So you start to see people looking towards someone or something that would help them during this time of crisis. And the anxiety and fear makes a person irrational. It's a need for us to have. And we will give our allegiance to whatever entity, power, or person that can get us out of that situation. It's a tale as old as time. The role and fear of propaganda is another thing. What happens is with fear and anxiety... On top of that is that we're searching for answers. But what happens with propaganda is that there is a limit of information. Why is it limited? Because there is censorship taking place. Because there can be no opposition to the narrative. When there is a crisis, when there are some chaotic times taking place, and you're trying to exact power and to convince everyone that you're the answer for that problem, the last thing you want to have is an opposing idea, someone that goes against your attempt of power. And so what you do is you silence dissent and you censor. And then when you censor, you limit the information for the population to 
make rational decisions to possibly find hope, maybe come up with ideas of survival. And you then present them with your information, albeit not true, false news. Nevertheless, it's propaganda, and it is designed to continue the narrative, keep you in a state of fear, and then give you the idea that they have control over this. Yes, there's a devil, but I'm the savior. And so we get people that rise up to these roles because information is limited. We are people that need that. We need information. And we saw this happen where we found the example of how many Americans would not have voted in our current day for the current president, air quotes, Joe Biden, if they had known about what? The Hunter laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop, and the many things that were discovered on that laptop alone. Never mind the fact that Joe Biden has a history of corruption throughout all his 50 plus years of service in Congress as a senator and then vice president. And then using the position of vice president, him and his son, basically selling out information from America to other foreign nations such as Ukraine, China, and so on and so forth. Limited information. But what happened when the New York Post announced what was going on with the Hunter Biden laptop, it was completely shut down, censored, taken down so fast. Many people, and ask around your circle if they have ever heard of it or even seen it. Most have not seen it or not heard of it because the information was silenced. I was so baffled to see or to hear that some people really didn't know about that. And in my head, I'm like, how is that possible? It's everywhere. You could find it. The New York Post, the oldest newspaper around, is the one that released the articles at the, the Post. Go read it. It was mind-boggling to me, but now I'm starting to understand. I used to be frustrated with this, but I realize now that what censorship does is that it completely limits the information. And when people are busy in their own worlds, especially we have to understand people deal with anxiety very differently. Our getaways are different from one another. Mine is to attack it head on to see what's going on and get more information and seek out the truth and then fight it. And this is my form of fighting. But other people just want to run from that, hide, or just don't feel like they have the time and mental capacity to give it airtime because of the things they got going on in their own personal lives. And not to add this crisis on top of that, all they're trying to do is protect their kids. And you know what? No fault to them. I get it. I really do. But that is why people like this rise up to power for the most part. Now, what else? What's another thing? We have a collective desire for a strong, assertive leader. This negates our having to take personal responsibility for our crisis. We tend to feel as though we don't have the answers and it's way too big for us to tackle. And at times it is, but maybe the problem with us is we think that we need to do something grand to negate it. See, I personally had to wrestle with what I've been kind of wrestling with since 2020. If we are truly headed into communism, totalitarianism, whatever word you want to use, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live? How do I protect my daughter from this? How do I deal with this and deal with my own personal problems? Because what you want to do then is have everyone in your life 
even with the turmoil within your own life, come into an agreement to say, hey, we, we can see what's happening. We're all coming together. We're going to put aside all our BS and we're just going to go and focus on this. But guess what? That's not how it works. Some people, again, deal with stress and anxiety very differently. And so you still got the problems in your family. You still got the problems in your personal life. And then now you have this. As for some people, I'd rather just not deal with this. But I'd rather have somebody that will. Somebody out there has to have the ability to take care of this. And we always have that desire. We always look up to that person that leads strong. Why do you think so many people loved Trump? For all the things that he did great, and I, I will be the first to admit, there's a lot of policies I appreciated. I now look back hindsight and realize there was a lot of things that took place under his presidency that led us to this place in the first place. And so I don't have a hero worship for him, but I can see where the people, a majority of them, cling to him for. He was a strong leader. He stood up straight. He said whatever he needed to say, and people felt like he was speaking for them. And on the flip side, you have people that probably look to Biden, apparently about 81 million of them, which I have, I don't know. Are you still out there? Nevertheless, they looked to him and they probably thought he is the answer to what? To get rid of the evil Donald Trump because he was supposed to be the dictator. See, again, we have a collective desire to have a strong leader. Especially in what? In times of crisis. And what was our crisis? Our crisis was COVID-19 and the pandemic. And then on top of that, they added more crisis to it. What was the other crisis? White supremacy. Systemic racism. Trump. MAGA Trumpers. MAGA Republicans. Parents. Domestic terrorists. The FBI calls. Oh, they took crisis and they they ran with it here in our country. But just like all the other ones in times of old, there was always an enemy, there was always a boogeyman, and there was always that fear that needed to, to be quenched. Like We needed to be relieved from the anxiety. And a single person who comes up with confidence, bonus, and a sure plan, it's what people want. It's what we want. There's something inherently designed in us to desire this and so these are how these people come about another reason why totalitarianism is embraced communism is embraced and dictators are embraced is because of social conformity and the fear of being ostracized we don't want to be called bigots and white supremacists and racists and xenophobes we don't want to be called that especially because we know that we are and because of these Strong connotations behind these words, it could taint your reputation. And that's the last thing you want. That's the last thing anybody wants. Slander is a real thing. It taints your image, your reputation. And when your reputation is tainted, it makes it harder to move about in life to do business, especially networking. And people don't want to be looked at as the oddball. Now, in America, especially, I'll, I'll dive into this, but in America, everybody swears that they're a individual. I don't care what anybody says. I am my own person. I'm a lone wolf. I mean, you got the memes, you got the statuses, you got the videos of these motivations of just being able to be your own and against the grain, against the pack. But I've seen 
the most staunch conservatives bow down and take a shot and then say, I'm doing this in protest. I've seen people that were Christians, bold in their faith, all of a sudden fold and not understand what scripture teaches about loving one's neighbor and what that means. And then Romans chapter 13 and 12 and whatever. I mean, everybody that you thought had solid foundations crumbled because everybody around them started to say one thing and they didn't want to look as if they weren't loving, kind, whimsical, meek, right? All the things that we think we're supposed to be as Christians because the culture tells us we're supposed to be. We don't want to go against the grain for that very reason. And so when everybody starts to follow and their anxiety is being quenched by this one leader, you follow suit. And now suddenly people know something's wrong here, but no one's going to speak up about it. There's That's fear. And that's the grippling of fear. It really messes with you psychologically. So all this to, to say, we have passages in scripture that can really guide us here. These are the reasons why totalitarian leaders arise and why people embrace it. Because there's a fear and a crisis that causes anxiety, sleeplessness, restlessness, and it's overwhelming. Plus, we have our own problems and we're nobodies. What are we going to do? We need someone to save us. We need someone to end this crisis. And then we put our faiths in certain men. Well, let's look at what Bible uh, teaches us uh, about the nature of humanity. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Which means no one. Though we live in a culture that says follow your heart, tap into your heart. What the Bible teaches us here is that actually the heart is deceitful above all things. It will deceive you. It would have you to make decisions and do things you otherwise wouldn't and no deep down shouldn't, but do. And you do it over again. So who can understand it? It is a, it's a complexity of just corruption and sin and deceitfulness. And so this is the nature of man in general. I know this is not what is being taught in Christian churches these days, but the truth is we are fallen, cursed by sin. We live under the curse in this flesh. And so our hearts, again, as Jeremiah tells us, are deceitful above all things. And so therefore, we are susceptible to external influences. Then we get warnings from false prophets. Why? Because our hearts are deceitful and we have such an inclination for external influences, Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 says, Beware, for false messiahs, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive if possible, even the elect, even the elect, even those that God had set aside for himself, they then would possibly turn away and apostatize because of these deceitful liars and Messiah uh, acclaimers, false prophets, saying that they have the answers, that they have the power to put an end to all of this. And you can get back to your life as, as normal as it possibly can to save it. The Bible tells us and warns us about these things. But 
what I want to do is kind of go deeper. Where did this begin? Did God ever warn us about such situation? And yes, he did. Again, I, as I alluded to earlier in the beginning of this podcast, what we have here in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8, is telling. And I'm going to actually take the time to read it. I'm going to take the time to read it. Maybe not all, and maybe I will read it all, but I think it is truly worth the read. So I have my book here, and it happened when Samuel was old that he appointed his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. I don't think I said that right. Either way, continuing, they were judging in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after greedy gain and took bribes and caused justice to turn aside. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, Behold, you have grown old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us, appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was evil in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to Yahweh. It's like a slap to the face to Samuel, a, a complete slap to his face for what he's done for that nation. I get the sense that Samuel felt some type of way, like it hurt him personally. Continuing on in verse 7, Then Yahweh said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. This is why I think that Samuel felt some type of way, because God, Yahweh, is telling him, don't take it personally. This is not against you. He goes on to say, but they have rejected me from being king over them. I'm going to pause there for a second and have you to realize that what they were doing wasn't rejecting Samuel and his wisdom and all the things he's done his whole entire life. Samuel might have gotten offended, but God truly revealed the matter to him. Remember, he's a prophet and revealed to him that it's not you, Samuel, that they're rejecting. It's me. Because Samuel was only leading by the guidance of Yahweh. And the only way that Samuel could speak was through Yahweh because he was his prophet. So again, God was king and he is he's sovereign and he was sovereign over Israel. He was their king. And the people rejected him. So we're going to go ahead and continue reading. Verse 8. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods. You see? They forsake the Most High, the true God, Yahweh, who deserves worship. And instead, turn to other gods. Now this could be idols or these could be lesser Elohim so they are doing to you also so now listen to their voice however you shall solemnly testify to them and tell them of the custom of the king who will reign over them so God is, is telling them you know what give it to them this kind of echoes Romans 1 where he where it reads that he turns us over to a debased mind basically says you want sin you don't want me you want your own way, then I'm going to give it to you. Have it. And, and he instructs Samuel to tell him, but 
while you give it to them, while you give them a king, appoint them a king, let them know the custom of what this king will do, how he will reign over them. Let them know. Let them know how it's going to go down. And so, again, this is why I think it's worth continuously reading. This is the word of the Lord anyway. Let me just continue reading because it it truly is worth it. Uh, Verse 10 reads, So Samuel spoke all the words of Yahweh to the people who had asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the custom of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself in his chariots and among his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and of fifties, and some to do his plowing and to reap his harvest and to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take your daughters for perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servant. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will also take your male slaves and your female slaves and your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. Then you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but Yahweh will not answer you in that day. Pause. So what did he just explain? Well, here, you want a king, you're rejecting me, I'm going to give it to you. And it's not something to celebrate, though they will probably. Hey, we got our way. This is how we want it. Aha. Uh-huh. But then he tells them with warning, wait, before you start celebrating this king, this is what he's going to do. He's going to take and take. He's going to take the things that are the most precious to you, your daughters, your sons, your children, your flock, your livestock, your income. He's going to extract from you and take for what? For his purposes, for his wars, for his ideas, for his luxury, for his pleasures. If that's angering you right now, well, that's kind of what's happening even in our country today. We complain that we hate that that the, the rich man, right? The capitalists and the rich man and the government and there's this and that. But this is what we're asking for. And so we are getting it. And so Israel was being told this is what they were going to get. Verse 19, continuing on. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So do you see what's happening there? Israel is jealous of other nations and how they have it. Again, a rejection of the king that they do have. Yahweh, the most high God, who has chosen them, elected them as his people. And they're looking to the pagan nations and saying, we want to be like them. And we want someone to fight our battles. Do you see what's happening here? Again, the lack of personal responsibility is prevalent then like it is now. And our desire to be accepted by a culture, by others, our neighbors surrounding us is so strong. We don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be left down, looked at as the oddball. And the whole entire nation of Israel felt that way against the pagan nations. Though God always protected them, fought against 
their enemies went before them and gave them conquering. And yet they're still looking at the pagan nations and they're still saying we want to be like them. It goes back to what I told you guys. Why do these leaders rise up? Knowing that what they're doing is evil is because we don't want to be ostracized by everybody. We, we don't want to be called bigots. We don't want to be called a white supremacist. We don't want to be called a racist. We don't want to be known as a Christian nationalist. You know, the terms go on in our day, modern today. And then it's, it's truly no different. And now we also don't want to take personal responsibility for our lives. We want someone to, to handle that for us. And so we have political figures that step into the plate and say, hey, I got you. I got the answers for you. But keep in mind that what Samuel was teaching us here, they were rejecting the true God for false gods. And make no mistake about it. This is idol worship. This is a, a commandment that God told us not to break and is being broken. So Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of Yahweh. Then Yahweh said to Samuel, listen to their voice and appoint them a king. So Samuel said to the men of Israel, go every man to the city. And that was it. And eventually they will get their king and many kings after. Now, obviously, God has a plan of redemption. We know this because of the lineage of King David bringing about Christ who saves us, the true Savior. This is a rejection of God and his commands, a rejection of his holy rule. Why? Biblical teaching can guide us in our society today, allowing us to recognize the inclination for authoritarianism or totalitarianism. We need to be able to discern these things and, and really understand what's happening here. We, we love our sin. And we love our lives so much that we would do anything to preserve it. This is why you saw the insanity in 2020 of people that would just lash out on other people for not wearing a mask or being six feet apart or for voting for Trump, right? Or even it's gotten to the point that if you are a fit person, you, you keep a schedule, you wake up early, you are a white supremacist. And, and these things they hit a chord within people that desire something greater and they see a problem. It's a crisis because you know what? It's a narrative that the government and the, and the media has pushed on us today that we feel it's overwhelming and we want to have a purpose. And so social justice gives us that purpose. But we reject the true reason for living, which is Jesus Christ. He comes and dies for us and takes the penalty of our sin. The real Savior, because the real tyranny is of the devil and is sin that holds us bondage. That continuously in our heart produces idols and in so many shapes and forms. Anything these days could be an idol. And today the idol is selfism and it's climate change. And it's white supremacy and doing the social justice work. It's fitness. It's being a boss babe. It's all of these things rejecting the one true king, Christ. Here's what we need to do and understand. I was looking at article, Psychology Today, 
And everything that I talked about is basically what they were talking about. We ha- when fear happens, when, the, when polarization takes place, when there's limited information, all these things are recipes for people to become useful idiots and then bow to the one that tells you they're going to give you relief of crisis, but all at the same time, going against the very thing you know is true and good because scripture reveals is true and good. Guys, the thing that we need to see here is why do these people come into power? It's because we ask for it. We put them there. We desire it. Because we would rather look to man and to every other external source than to the one true God who will give us freedom from the things that we fear the most. I think deep down what we really fear is death. Knowing that there's an end and not wanting it to come. People would do anything in their power to maintain their autonomy, to maintain their health, their freedoms even, and they will allow themselves to compromise on what is true just to be able to say, you know what, someone else got it and now I can sleep at night. Here's my encouragement to you. There's many people that fall prey to this. You know, there was studies on psychology today of of people who went under a authority figure would would submit and be obedient even when the research, the testing that was taking place was some sort of obscene thing that should cause you to probably stop and say, what am I doing? But they would do it. Then they didn't have the information. And then they were all, there was also experiments of just gradual things, right? Adding more to what you're asking of them. It's like a, an encroachment. And that's what the government is doing today too. Little by little. We shut them down, give them a mask, and guess what? Now we have whistleblowers talking about the potential of another lockdown again. And they did the first time. Now, the second time, probably be easier for them because there will be compliance. There's a way to stay free from this. And it's to, one, repent of your sins and lean on Jesus. And then two, read the Bible. Read the Word. And let the word of God penetrate your mind so much that you may be able to see and discern what is being told to you and live not by lies. The Bible teaches us that we are to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. That is how transformation comes because we need our minds to be renewed. It's clouded by sin and corruption, fear and anxiety. But the word of God does that. Now, aside of that, If you have no faith and if you don't trust in the one true God, then you are trusting in something else. And most of the time, it's a false God that would lead you to the path of chaos and destruction. These leaders come around because we asked them to, rejecting the one true God. All this matters. And so what we need to be doing is preaching the gospel, preaching the Bible. We need to get back to the scriptures, get back to the realization that we are a created race and God is sovereign. And we need to bow down before this God, Yahweh, because he is the most high. Until then, judgment reigns upon us. And it's because we want it and we ask for it. And he turns us over to a delusional mind.
Guys, not to scare you, but to, to kind of inform you, this is how it happens. And as long as you, as long as you, you just cling to Christ and his word, and you submit to the authority of scripture and of the church, and you are, you're just about that life, right? You're a brother and sister in Christ. You serve the church with your gifts and talents, and you don't allow fear to cripple you. The Bible tells us so many times, fear not. And there's a reason for that, because fear is such an evil manipulator if you allow it. The enemy, the devil, will use that, will use that against you. And in fact, that's what we see all around us. A bunch of people afraid, not having hope, or not having an internal hope of purpose, and so clinging to empty philosophies that the Apostle Paul told us that we are to submit to Christ. We need to humble ourselves before God, confess our sins, trust in Jesus, and move forward preaching the gospel, making disciples. It really is, for me, that simple. Because otherwise, if it's not Christ, it's chaos, and you're choosing some sort of Savior, I would suggest it be the Lord. Well, I hope that this kind of gives some insight, maybe something to really think about. And I hope it encourages you to go before God and pray and share the gospel with somebody else and get plugged into the church, all right? Find a biblical church and get plugged in. If this serves you, then please share this with somebody else. I'm hoping it serves someone else as well. And please consider supporting this podcast with your finances. Three bucks, that's all I'm asking. I want to use that to put this back into the podcast, to bring more guests, to bring more content that can really transform your mind And help you to understand that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there. So, until next time, God bless you. If you found value, then please subscribe and leave an honest rating and review. And remember that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there.